You are Locked On Packers. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner store, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, businesses need your support. Let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol to tap and pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Today on the show, Matt Derry from Locked On Lions for our crossover Thursday event, our second of the season. And it's two straight NFC North crossovers, which means that you guys know these people. And they're part of our sitcom here on Locked on Packers. They're recurring characters. So we have we have the most fun with them. And we have quite the game to talk about from the Lions' perspective based on what happened in week one last week. I want to start, though, with a discussion about... Some of the weirdness, and it's not even weirdness, it's actually wrongness, if we're going to be really honest about it. When you look at what happened in week one, Green Bay, in game-neutral situations, they were one of the most pass-heavy teams in the league. Top three, in fact. And you go back to last year, they were one of the most pass-heavy teams in game-neutral situations. If you if if game neutral situations as a concept is too opaque, it's too close to advanced metrics, it's too nebulous, it's too just I don't want to deal with the analytics side of it. Okay, cool. The Packers against the Vikings threw the ball 58% of the time. That is a lot. And 58% means that only 42% the Packers ran the ball. This idea that Green Bay was going to become this run-heavy team never made any sense. And it's something that we talked about on Locked on Packers for months. That so many of these conversations driven about Green Bay, and, and I think even the projections You look at the analytical models, I think Las Vegas thought, everyone thought because of how day two went, and I think to some degree day one, Green Bay doesn't get a receiver, they don't get a priority pass catcher in in the top three rounds, and and at all really, in the draft. They get Devin Funches in free agency, that doesn't move the needle for the NFL community. So the assumption was, well... Matt LaFleur wants to be Kyle Shanahan. He wants to be run heavy. He wants to be this big team. And and I will admit 
that in the moment I fell prey to this, that as I'm watching, as I'm hearing what's going on, the Packers take Jordan Love, they take A.J. Dillon, they take Josiah DeGuara, and they go heavy offensive line on day three, and you go, okay, easy. They want to be the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan. And yet the more I looked at it, the more that I dug into the numbers, the more I looked at who they were last year, and the more they talked about what they wanted coming out of the draft. Green Bay wanted a receiver. It didn't work out for them. If there's any team that's going to say, we're going to trust our board and take the best guys, our favorite guys, it's the Packers. They've always done that, and they will continue to do that. They are not afraid to take the PR hit from not drafting a receiver. They're just not afraid to do that. And that's what happened. And so you see on Sunday, there's already excuses being made. Oh, well, but the Vikings secondary, okay. But the Vikings run defense was good last year. And they have an elite group of linebackers. They have an elite group of safeties. In terms of middle of the field defenders, they've got really good players. They're a hard team to run on. And we saw it on Sunday. Aaron Jones did not break off huge chunk runs. Green Bay overall was solid running the ball, five yards a carry, but a lot of that efficiency was driven by, you know, runs by Tyler Irvin and some of these gadget runs that Matt LaFleur was able to scheme up. Of course, those count. And in in terms of the game, they impact the game. But it wasn't really the running game per se that created them. Certainly not the outside zone that is the staple of this team and this offense. The thing that won them the game was Aaron Rodgers and the passing game. And Matt LaFleur schemed up some wonderful routes and concepts that played off what they like to do, that played off what the Vikings like to do defensively. And they didn't even really need to go to some of the play action deep shots and the illusion of complexity in the passing game, it was just, okay, you're going to play this coverage. We've got the right play call to attack that coverage. And when you have Aaron Rodgers who said, look, I feel more comfortable. I feel like we can play with a little bit more urgency. I can process faster. This is the outcome that you get. Now, on the other hand, Green Bay ran into more eight-man boxes than any team in the league in week one. And while it's not sexy to run and it's not analytically driven to run the ball, being a good run team last year, which is what they've been for the last few years, and not being an efficient passing team or at least as efficient as they had been in years past was what caused the Vikings to say, we are going to dare you to beat us when we play single high. We are going to dare you to beat our man coverage. And when we do go to zone, the zone looks that we create because we know our speed and our playmaking and our instincts are exceptional. And what Green Bay said was, bet. If you're going to go to those eight-man fronts, then Green Bay is going to push the ball down the field, which is exactly what they did. It wasn't the, the quantity of deep shots. It was the quality. Aaron Rodgers hit five of 10 of those deep shots. And even though 
you know, you can say, okay, 50%, but we're talking about balls that are, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 yards down the field. The expectation is you're not going to complete 65% the same way you're going to complete a slant or some of these other looks. Green Bay was able to get guys open down the field, and that's what makes it easier to say, okay, they're going to be able to do this. Ben Fennell had this stat on Twitter. In week one, Aaron Rodgers was 5 of 10 for 186 on downfield passing. In week 17 against the Lions, he was 3 of 17 for 86 yards. And by the way, he would have had even more yards on deep shots if MBS catches the corner route and if Alan Lazard doesn't trip on his own feet and go down just short of the goal. And that's a couple more yards, but of course, the touchdown counts too. Now, he did get the touchdown to MVS on a deep shot and a, a, a key first down late in the game on a deep shot. But this is what the team can be if opposing defenses are saying, we are going to key on your defense. But this is what they can be if opposing teams are going to say, we are going to key on your run game and make you beat us with your arm. Okay, well, hey, Aaron Rodgers. And I know that seems weird, but this is something we talked about on this show last year. Teams have said that. Richard Sherman said it. We thought if we can beat their run game, if we can stop their run game, their passing game can't beat us. Now, the way that they defended the Packers wasn't really in line with that thinking. I mean, I just don't think that's real. I don't think that's true necessarily, but it's a nice shot to take. The Packers, if they continue to get these heavy boxes are going to be content to say, you want to stack the box? Single high safety? Here's MVS down the field. Here's Alan Lazard attacking the seam. Here's Devontae Adams on, on the edges being able to do whatever he wants. Here's in cuts with, with Devontae and Jay Sternberger and Josiah DeGuara. Because you can't cover sideline to sideline with your one high safety. You just can't. Most single high safeties can't do it. Earl Thomas can't do it. And we don't think your cornerbacks can do it either. And the Vikings, I mean, I expect those defensive backs were pretty sore after the game. They needed to relax. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. And CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD with the promo code LOCKEDONNFL for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. We're back for another crossover Thursday, Locked on Packers, Locked on Lions, a week two NFC North tilt. Nothing new for both of these teams. Each had week one matchups with NFC North teams. Matt Derry here from Locked on Lions. 
The Lions did not finish that game the way that you would have hoped, but for about 55 minutes, they looked like the team that a lot of people in NFL media were picking as a sleeper team in the NFC and the NFC North. What happened, Matt? (laughs) Well, Peter, it's always great to be with you, buddy. Uh, I mean, the Lions lions, you know, (laughs) they really did a 17-point fourth quarter lead, vanishing. Mitch Trubisky all of a sudden looking like uh, Dan Fouts, Johnny Unitas, heck, 85 uh, Jim McMahon. And the Lions couldn't get pressure. They lost a ton of defensive backs and cornerbacks in the game, including really their best three. Jeffrey Okuda, their first-round pick, didn't play. And then you lose Desmond Trufant and Justin Coleman to hamstring injuries during the game. And uh, they left the cupboard pretty bare. They couldn't get home, couldn't get to the quarterback. And then, of course, the infamous drop pass at the end of the game where the Lions down four, 10 seconds left, had a a golden opportunity to win the football game. And uh, second round pick, very highly touted DeAndre Swift, wide open, right at the goal line, drops the football. So they didn't have the kind of uh, day, certainly, that you guys had in Minnesota last week. That's for sure. Yeah, since 2006, just the fourth team to blow a 17-point lead or more, according to Sharp Football Stats. Everyone else in that span, 779-3. and three. That is uh, that goodness. is a stat on, How about only that? the Lions could be a part of. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm sorry because I know that hurts you to say, so I, I, I feel a little bad about that, but <laughs> <laughs> the numbers are the numbers. Uh, so we did get some news this week that Justin Coleman is going on IR. Uh, The Wednesday practice report had Okuda back at practice. We still don't quite know what's going on with Desmond Trufant. Let's say they get Trufant and Okuda back. Where Where does that leave this secondary heading into a game against Aaron Rodgers and a passing offense that was as good as any offense in the league in week one? Yeah, it doesn't look good. That's for sure. Um, you know, let me take you back to something Corey Unlin, the defensive coordinator, said on Tuesday, which is a head scratcher. He said, when asked about the lack of pressure and the fact that the Lions only got one sack on Trubisky, and that's kind of been their mo against Mitch over the last few years, is for some odd reason they just can't get home, and they've had issues with with. I think they're one in 13 in the 14 games in two plus seasons under Patricia where they get one sack or less, which is terrible. Now, some of it is scheme, but Unlin made the point that the the corners and the coverage people have to be better. But I I don't know, man. You know, True Font doesn't practice uh, midweek. Daryl Roberts, uh, uh, a backup cornerback who actually didn't play very, very, very uh, badly, he was fine in the loss to the Bears. Really, the guy that struggled was Tony McRae. Roberts is now hurt. I mean, this is a mash unit. They've signed Chris Jones, ex of the Cardinals. They've got D. Virgin off the practice squad. They're going to have to play Tracy Walker, the safety, I think, summit corner. Um, so it it's a mash unit right now for that group. And to go into the next couple are, of weeks. Are you avoiding saying the other guy's name because you don't want to pronounce it? Because I know when I saw it on the depth chart, I went, wait, I got to say Amani Oruwarie. Oh, um, no. I, I, Oruwarie. <laughs> You know, I forget about him because he wasn't as highly touted. He's a fifth-round pick. He was solid yep. last week. He didn't hear his name much, so that's good. But he'll have to play. But it's a it's a definite mash unit, man. And with with uh, A. A. Ron coming up, and then uh, uh, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins the week after, and then Drew Brees the week after that, it's it's probably not the greatest time for this. You mentioned the pressure. 
it was something that the Vikings, even with Yannick Ngakwe, were not able to manufacture in week one. Uh, they were the offensive line via pro football focus in Green Bay was uh, debited with just one pressure. Uh, and it was Lucas Patrick, the backup guard. Aaron Rodgers was was nicked for the other three, which means guys like Elton Jenkins playing out of position did not give up any. David Bakhtiari, we know. Corey Lindsley, we know how good those guys are. This is a better offensive line for Green Bay than than the Bears have. What is there a pathway to creating more pressure against the Packers than they did against Chicago? Because it's not like... Trey Flowers or Deshaun Hand or Julian Aquara or Romeo Aquara are suddenly going to be vastly different guys than they've been. Well, tell me this, Pete, before we we talk Lions here, the Packers have some injuries of their own, yep. right? Taylor and yep. Uh, what's up with and what's up with Rick Wagner? So th- this has been a very weird season for the Packers offensive line wise because going into the training camp before training camp opened, the assumption was we were going to see. Rick Wagner at right tackle, Billy Turner at right guard, and the rest of the offensive line was going to stay the same. Then camp opens, and Billy Turner is rotating in at right tackle with Wagner, and there's a battle there. Turner was getting some right tackle snaps last year in camp, and we assumed it was just, oh, uh, Brian Bulaga has an injury history. They want to be fully prepared for that if he goes down. Okay, but fast forward a year, it looked like Billy Turner was the preferred starter at right tackle. He goes down in in training camp, and now they have to shuffle. We assumed Rick Wagner, for a while anyway, was going to be the guy at right tackle, but then Matt LaFleur started playing at Coy. Hey, we're not going to tell you who's going to start at tackle. Could it be Elton Jenkins? And then, sure enough, Elton Jenkins comes out and is the starter, a former center in college at Mississippi State, was a, an excellent guard as a rookie last year for the Packers, had played tackle as well in college, and acquitted himself nicely, even against Ngakwe in some obvious passing situations, um, was really good. We we don't know. As we sit here midweek, we don't know who the starter at right tackle is going to be. Billy Turner was back at practice, which means if Turner is practicing, Wagner is practicing, you assume that's going to be the options at right tackle, and you can keep Elton Jenkins at left guard. But Matt LaFleur has surprised us before. He just did it last week. So... It's going to be a little difficult, I think, for the Lions to prepare from that standpoint of like, hey, we don't even know who the five guys are going to be out there. Well, I think to answer your question, and that's that's certainly to the Lions' advantage that you got some injuries there, but I think what Detroit is probably going to have to do is get more pressure with their linebackers, and it starts with Jamie Collins. Mm-hmm. Remember, Collins wasn't having a great game to begin with, and then in the second quarter, inexplicably headbutted the young referee, and got ejected. Like, Never seen anything it, like that. It was insane. <laughs> so, I, you know, and there were people saying, well, he shouldn't have gotten ejected. He was just kind of showing him in the ref. Stop, stop. You cannot put your hands, fingers, helmet, feet, thighs, whatever it is, a knee to, <laughs> to the referee. So missing him was a big deal because that's the big free agent signee, at least on yep. the defensive side. And, you know, on the offensive side, Halapulabadi Vitae, the right tackle, is going to be out a little while with a foot injury. So he didn't play. So the Lions have some injuries. A Galladay injury sucks, too. Um, but, yeah, they've got to find a way to dial up pressure. But Patricia teams have always been rush three, rush four, drop eight, drop seven. 
But for this week, I mean, you've got to find a way to to get in Rodgers' face. I just don't know how they're going to do it. What's weird is, you know, you look at last season, Matt LaFleur mentioned this on Wednesday in his press conference. The Packers led the two Lions games for precisely zero seconds. Uh, the only time they were leading was when the clock hit zero because Mason Crosby ended both of those games with field goals, and those were the only time that the Packers led. Even with some subpar secondaries the last few years, I mean, I know Darius Slay has been uh, out there for a lot of these matchups, but he struggled with Devontae Adams. Even so, the Lions have played the Packers really tough. What is it about the Lions that they're able to create these matchups even against guys that seem like they're overmatched where they can hang with a team that, you know, at some of these key spots, they're just not as talented that? Well, I I mean, I I have a lot of uh, anxiety or angst if I'm a Lions fan about the Smith brothers. Yet I think the Lions have kept Matthew Stafford pretty upright or, Yeah. yeah, for those two games last year, if you want to go back to those two. And, of course, the Lions recently won at Lambeau Field with Stafford. Of course, that was without Aaron Rodgers, but I think the key has been the Lions have gotten off to very good starts. They torched the defense, though. I'm not sure if Aaron Rodgers plays. I mean, they couldn't stop Matthew Stafford even a little bit in that game. Right, but um, I think the Lions have found a way the last few years to get Stafford time to throw. Uh, they, Like you said, they, they found some matchups. Um, they've had some big plays. They've had some good special teams things, and then they just have not been able to finish the games. Those two games last year were were prime examples. Um, so, I, I, look, when sta- the offense, too, 23 points against the Bears, not bad. The offense had its moments. Should have been 30 if Swift catches that, bo- the, that football. And now the X factor. Now here comes Adrian Peterson, who last mm-hmm. week looked really good. Really good, Peter. So... I don't know. All of a sudden, is he going to get 20 carries Sunday? I hope so, because maybe if he's running well, number 12 is on the sidelines on the other side. I just want to let you know, A-plus on just the nonchalant pronunciation of Vitae's name. I mean, that was, you just kind of (laughs) casually slid that in there and just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to throw this. It's like throwing in a big word that I'm just going to, in a regular sentence, I'm going to throw out, you know super whatever califragilistic expialidocious and you just dropped it in there i appreciate that (laughs) all right a lot more locked on packers locked on lions with matt Derry when we come back before we finish up this season get football on your time with nfl game pass you can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games you can relive all the gutsy calls crazy catches wild comebacks and breakout stars from every game every week It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place, and NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. All right, Locked on Packers, Locked on Lions crossover Thursday. And Kenny Galladay is a big question mark in this game, Matt. 
the, the the Lions, as you mentioned, didn't struggle really to to move the ball when it was just Marvin Jones and Quintez Cephas and some of the other guys that they've got out there. Marvin Hall can make some plays down the field with T.J. Hawkinson back and, and some of the other guys, the loaded backfield that they have. You probably do feel pretty good as a Lions fan about. Hey, I, I think in any game we're in, as long as Matthew Stafford is in it, we're going to be able to move the ball and score some points. Yeah, and uh, uh, let's give credit to the offensive line last week. Khalil Mack, there were times you watched the football game and you said, I sound like Lewis, yeah. I felt, I sound like Lewis Riddick, by the way. I'm saying football a lot, but, and I like Lewis. Don't get me wrong. Please uh, <laughs> don't be Nash, or Adam Schefter in the National Football League. Correct. But I think that the line did a nice job for the most part against Hicks and Mack. So that yep. was a plus. Um, you mentioned Hawkinson, Mr. Week One. Last year had the big Week One, never yeah, heard from him again. That's right. <laughs> right. And then now this year, the same thing at a touchdown. So th- th- there's enough weapons there. You mentioned Cephas, Wisconsin kid. Really impressive. Yeah. Uh, only a couple mm-hmm. of catches, but got open, made some plays. Don't think Galladay's going to play. I think this is, uh, this is a two- to three-week injury with his hamstring, and I think they're going to take it easy with him. As Matt Patricia has said, some of these soft tissue injuries, I don't want to turn these into nine-week injuries, so make them one or two weeks. But there is enough material there on the offensive side that, yes, they can move the football, and and I think Swift is going to play a role. I think they want to get him right back in the mix after what happened last week. Adrian Peterson, is he was was really good. Again, we're just not used to be Packer fans have plenty of Adrian Peterson nightmares, so all you have to do is say the name, and and it's going to send shivers down the spines of of Cheesehead Nation. I I think he looks good. I I would hope for more carries this Sunday. That's that's what I'm thinking. I I really am. What about uh, what about uh, what 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 worked last week for you guys, man? That was that was crazy to look up and see a forty burger on Minnesota. Well, and and what's even crazier is it could have easily been fifty. I mean, they, they they left some opportunities out there in a game that they put up 522 yards of offense on a Mike Zimmer defense and scored 43 points. It could have been worse. What Matt LaFleur did with the offense, and I wrote about this for Acme Packing Company earlier in the week, was say there are things about this offense, the bones of this Shanahan offense, and we're talking about Mike, not just Kyle, that you can create these gimme opportunities on jet sweeps, on end arounds, on things that, frankly, Mike McCarthy wouldn't call because he just never liked the idea of, oh, this this is a gimmicky play. And I I think you have to sort of set the hubris of that aside. Daryl Bevel, by the way, it does a great job with that in in the first game when Matthew Stafford played last year. I think they had a flea flicker in the first half. They had multiple specials yeah. for that game. Yeah, I, I love an offensive coordinator who's willing to do that. I've been I've been really impressed with, with what Daryl Bevel has done through 17 games as the the Lions offensive coordinator. That's he's only been there for a little over a year, right? Correct. So, you know, what what Green Bay was able to do is is mix that what what the Shanahan system wants you to be. And create some of those easy opportunities. And then also say, oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers, at the line of scrimmage, we're going to give you more freedom than any of the other guys who have run this system, more than Kirk Cousins and and even Matt Ryan, and say, just get us in the perfect play sometimes. And that's what he was able to do. They didn't go to a true hurry up, but there were a couple times last week, Matt, where they would run a play, it would seem like a nondescript play, and then Rodgers would hurry everyone to the line and they'd go five wide. 
everyone, doesn't matter what personnel we're in, it's spread. Rodgers would survey, hope that the defense declares what they're in, and then, okay, you go here, come back in in the formation, we're going to condense down, all right, trips, we got trips to the left, and, and, and he would figure out where everyone needed to be. And he didn't do it every play, but it was just enough. And they were able to mix the best things about Shanahan with the best things that Aaron Rodgers does, including the shot plays. Yeah. And and there was such a difference. I mean, we remember week 17 last year, how terrible Rodgers looked for half of that game. I mean, brutally as bad a game as I've seen Rodgers play from an accuracy standpoint. He threw deep about half of the times on Sunday than he did in that week 17 game, but completed more passes. It was efficiency over volume. And that was what has, has made them so dangerous. I'm wondering from, from a Lions standpoint, you know, without Kenny Galladay, we saw a little bit of it last week. How does, how does their offense have to change? Do they have to play a little bit bigger? Are they going to play more of these like multiple running back sets? Do you, you know, get swift more involved in the passing game? What is what is the answer here? We saw a little bit of it last year, last week, obviously, because Galladay was hurt. Well, I mean, they're using this fullback, Jason Cabinda, who was a linebacker two weeks ago, and he's <laughs> getting an opportunity now to block in front of Peterson. If I'm the Lions, that. I'm when they're in the eye set and Cabinda's in there with Peterson, you know they're running. And I think the Bears picked yeah. up on that late in the game, finally. But the thing is, that's where you got to go play action and get Hawkinson involved. And right. Bevel does some of that. But he does most of that in the first half, and then they go this ultra-conservative in the second half. They did that last year, and now they're doing it again. So now you're right. Knowing that it's Rodgers on the other side, knowing that you might not have Galladay, they might have to change up a little bit. And I also, I'm not sure they knew how good Peterson could be still at age 35. So... 12 carries, 90, or 14 carries, 92 yards. Maybe he carries it 20 times this week. He seems to be in, in, in good enough shape. And um, I know we're getting, we got to wrap up here. I, I'll say one more thing. I, I just, like you said with gadget plays, that, that the Lions are going to have to pull some of that out this weekend. Yeah. The, the, the hope, though, is that Cleet Blakeman doesn't call Trey Flowers for hands to the face again. My gosh, <laughs> the, the NFL playing a joke on the Lions with the same referee crew as last year. Unbelievable. <laughs> That did not go unnoticed on Packers Twitter either, by the way. Yeah, Adrian Peterson is uh, a, a close relative of Wolverine. I don't understand how, especially at the running back. I get it for quarterbacks and, and maybe some of the other positions, tight end maybe. But how does a running back with as many miles as he has on his body still look the way that he does? I mean, I thought in 2018 when he turned back the clock against the Packers that that was sort of like his swan song, and yet here he is two years later still doing it. Let's uh, let's finish up with this. Um, I, I think this is the only question that ultimately matters. Build me the pathway for the Lions to spring the upset because they are six point underdogs. So what is what is the path? What do they have to do to get a win at Lambeau on Sunday? Um, I think they've got to get some turnovers. Um, they've got to find a way to get some of the Rodgers from eighteen and nineteen back, where he was a little bit uh, erratic. Um, mm -hmm. they've got to find a way to, to get some turnovers, whether it's a, a, a blitz, which they don't do much. Uh, I think it's going to take a special teams, something, maybe a block punt, maybe Prater hitting a couple of 50 yard bombs, maybe Agnew with a return. 
They can't just do what they did last week, which was it was a pretty clean game all the way around. Lions had a little bit more penalty problems the first half, but they've got to come up with something. Whether, like I said, a special teams uh, blunder by the Packers, a fumble, something that's going to give the Lions a short field. That's how they win this football game. Uh, I think the Lions are going to play better, actually. People think here they're going to go to Lambeau get smoked. Uh, I'm thinking Green Bay 28-27, 30-27. I think the Lions are going to cover and, and be there at the end again because they always seem to be. But I think Green Bay will prevail. But the Lions want to win. There's got to be something, something strange to happen, like you said, a call to go their way, something. Um, that that we can point our, uh, our point our fingers to and say, man, that was a break that they never get or something like that. What, what, yeah. what about for Green Bay? Say, same old, same old as last year. Well, I mean, we 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 talked about it. It wasn't like last year they had a great plan. I mean, they struggled against David Blau because they couldn't stop the run and and they couldn't do anything offensively. I think your your point about the turnovers or special teams is is a great one for Green Bay. Uh, I think they have to to eliminate big plays. They cannot give up chunk plays on the ground or through the air to Matthew Stafford. That was that was what they did, uh, the Lions, in that first half to build that lead that, that Rodgers eventually was able to bring them back from. And it was a little bit of a problem on Sunday. I mean, through three quarters, they were really good, and, and I understand the prevent defense stuff, but ultimately prevent defense is supposed to prevent big plays. That's why it's called that. <laughs> so they weren't able to do that even in those situations. So I think that's a little bit of a concern moving forward. And so that's something that they're going to have to get cleaned up. As long as they do that, I think this offense is going to be able to create enough points to win. It's going to be, oh, if you know the Lions create uh, an 80-yard uh, touchdown to Marvin Jones and they get a fake field goal touchdown or something like that, Like th- those are the kinds of things that I think can can cause them some problems. Braden Coombs, a special teams coach, uh, was a candidate for the Packers job. So maybe it's a special teams uh, revenge game for him that, you know, didn't didn't end up getting the, the job in Green Bay. All right, brothers. Uh, great catching up. This is great, Matt. I appreciate it. Locked on Packers, locked on Lions on Sunday. I think we agree the Packers take this one, but it's going to be an entertaining, fun game. And I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy the game, Matt. All right, buddy. That was great. All right, that was Crossover Thursday. Always great to talk about Matt Derry. Tomorrow on the show, a little bit different. Uh, we are going to have a live show. Same thing, 5 Central, 6 Eastern. But we are also going to have an extended version of the podcast with former Lions safety Benny Blades. He is going to be on the show talking about this game, talking about his battles in the 90s with the with the Favre Packers and a lot more. So be sure to tune in for all of that. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.